Thank you for joining us on this episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett, where we examine current and emerging technologies through the lens of diversity and equality. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a new episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett. Uh, today, we are going to have a more diversity-centered chat, and we're going to talk about how far we have come as a, as a people, uh, as with everything, I guess. It's a, it's a, very, uh, it's a very broad topic. Uh, and Rochelle, I'm, I'm sort of curious, what got you uh, thinking about this uh, when you suggested the topic? Are there, are there things going on right now that feel bad or feel good or... <laughs> Either or, and and we're coming right up. uh, Today is Tuesday, right after uh, MLK Day this year. So I'm sure everybody's been doing a lot of sort of thinking about sort of this stuff. I think that as polarized as we are as a people right now, it's very uncertain to me how we got here and how we get away from this. You know, black and white have always been black and white, right? So we have always been this place where we measure things by ethnicity, right? So And there's a lot of logic out there about, you know, why we as a people put so much emphasis on the differences that we have as people, as opposed to things we have in common. What I love about our our podcast, Eminent Technology, is that I am an old, crepity Black woman and you are a young white man. And together, we really connect and make good conversation. So if we could do this, you know, considering how great our differences are, I'm at least 30 years older than you. Um, you know, I we work in the same field. We have lots of experience in that field. But what brings us together is what we have in common, not what we have as differences. You know, like we don't spend a lot of time like, oh, you're a black woman or you're an old woman or whatever, or even that I'm a woman. We don't spend very much time in those conversations with each other. We're just comfortable with each other. And I think that if we focus less on what's different about us, we will be able to see more of what's good about us. And as a society, we have made some remarkable footsteps, right? We've been to the moon. You know, people are working on flying ordinary people to out in space. You know, think about the progress of that from the Wright brothers to where we are now and where we will likely end up. You know, there's all these conversations about, you know, white people leaving all the brown people and black people here on earth and moving to wherever they can fly to. Um, I don't think they'd be very happy if they did that, but you know, who knows, you know, that might just be talk. And then, you know, think about where we are in terms of, we talk about this all the time, the convenience of technology, right? So think about, we don't need to know how to spell anymore. We don't need to know how to write anymore. We don't need to know how to drive. We don't need to know how to cook. I mean, think about all those innovations that have come along, you know, engineering marvels, right? So, you know, you see some of the structures, you know, like as old as the San Francisco Bridge is, you know, that's an amazing piece of technology. And the color of it is even, and when you go up close and see it, it's more orange than it is red, but, but you know, amazing marvels we have, you know, we can look at the track of a hurricane, you know, people fly into them and tell where they are, where they're headed and, we have made amazing progress, but where we have lacked or struggled with is finding out who we are and how great we can be as a people. And that's not just true in America. I mean, across the world to see that we are perfect in our form, you know, but our form does not hold us to what we externally see, right? So when you die, 
you turn colors, you know, and it doesn't make any difference what color you are to begin with. I mean, if you let someone sit around for a while after they've died, they turn blue, then they turn black, and then they skeletonize, right? Why do you think that is? Or another that's really relevant is like uh, skin patches, like how many white people have brown marks on them? Uh, I forgot what they're called, but like, I think that, you know, we we black people rarely have that much distinction. We may have vertiligo, which turns our skin white or pink or some mm -hmm. color. But, you know, the thing that matters is more of the form than it is the external pieces that we see. You know, you know, when we are we're dating, we want to date someone that we're attracted to, that we like. We like tall, we like short, we like, you know, thin or fat or whatever it is that you like. Those are the differences of what you like. But eventually... All of that disappears and you love the form, the person that is there, what they are not about, you know, if you had blonde hair and it turns gray or if you had red hair and it turns blonde. I don't know how that process works, but you change, but you still love what you originally loved. Right. So, yeah. you know, you, you know, as, as your husband gains a few pounds, you know, oh, my God, I'm getting ready to divorce him. He's he's too fat or he's getting in weight, or I don't like that. That's not really how it goes, because once you know someone, you submit your feelings about that person in the whole person, as opposed to what you originally were attracted to. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I, I do agree with that. And the, what it sort of makes me think of, especially around like skin color, is like, you know, the gene that makes us white or black, like doesn't really define us, right? Like, uh like you Rochelle and me Drew look I mean I guess we I don't know like we don't look we don't have the same skin color obviously uh you're a woman and I'm a man obviously like there's those differences but like in the grand scheme of things like you're saying like when we're dead we're gonna look the same <laughs> like all of that bit sort of just like goes away and uh you know when I think about how we're different I mean I guess like our biggest difference may be like cultural upbringing like is that would you say that that's true i would I, I do think that's true i mean but that's where we learn the things that hold us back right when we're growing up you know if your parents don't like black people or brown people or red people you know you hear derogatory terms and we accept those as facts and they become a part of who we are right so when i was younger i grew up in a rural town in south carolina not far from charleston um Older white men would call black men in regards to how old they were a boy. Mm -hmm. And um, that's something they learned. Somewhere they learned that, that a black man, a grown black man was a boy. But also on the reverse, the black man learned how to accept that response that you got from that person. So, you know, if I called you, I don't know what it would be a dark derogatory term these days, but let's just say I called you that, you know. Yeah. You know, and after a while, you don't you become insensitive to it. You don't it doesn't affect you so painfully. You know, like I think you and I talked about this before. So younger generations of people use what we consider derogatory terms all the time in playful ways. You know, like I have heard, you know, people playing PlayStation with my son. My son is a black man um, using the N word and he's laughing. He uses the N word back to them. And I mean, it doesn't make a difference what color they are. It doesn't make any difference, anything of that, you know, it's just a word that, that we older black people find very injurious, you know, very difficult to hear. And yeah. younger generations have taken all the value out of the word. It's just another term 
like, you know, you don't say, hey, friend, when you're talking to somebody, you're playing PlayStation or watching a movie. Hey, friend, how is that? So terms like the N word or I haven't heard the C word used in a long time. But, um, you know, those words, someone became comfortable and assigned them to people. And then people, you know, accepted them or rejected them, depending on what it is. I was watching a television show the other day, your favorite channel, Netflix. And this <laughs> older man was talking and he said that if you would have called him a black in the 60s or the 50s, he would have been offended. Whereas, I mean, this is a black man that was saying that, you know, so now he's comfortable with being black or African-American. Yeah. And I think these are things that we learn. So, yes, there are cultural differences that we learn. But the question is, can we unlearn them and see the value of each other? Do you think that it is possible for people to break down those barriers and that stuff that we absorbed when we were younger and be more open to the differences that exist between people? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I feel like in a lot of ways, I'm sort of like living proof of that. And like our conversations are living proof of that. Uh I mean, before we started doing this podcast and before you did your uh, uh, your diversity, diversity chats, yeah. yeah, yeah, like talking about diversity is not like, I, I mean, like, if you would have told me I'd be doing that uh, a few times a week, uh, every week, you know, starting in 2000, I would, or 2020, I would say like, you know, no way, like, I, because it's hard, like, uh, it's like a white person like a lot of times I just don't want to offend people. And when we talk about even like using the word black or African-American, like growing up, I was always told like, don't use the term black, use the term African-American, right? Like that's black is derogatory. You don't want to say that they're Americans, but they're black or African-Americans say that. And like, it's sort of confusing, right? Like as a kid, you're like, well, I don't know what to call uh, what what to say or like if I should say anything like why does it even matter that we're putting a race on people uh, but honestly like after our conversations I do feel more comfortable uh, I mean one just saying the word black uh, doesn't feel uncomfortable the way it used to be uh, and I don't know if that's because like we're comfortable together or just because the word has changed but it's uh, it's much easier uh, and mainly, I mean, maybe it's because I don't even know why it is. It's just sort of like just having conversations, I think, help with that. And knowing like, I'm probably going to say this wrong thing at points. Uh, but but also, wrong, knowing what's the wrong thing? So one of the things that has been troubling for me for white people, like a lot of people in 2020, when Mr. Floyd was killed, um, started to learn more about this, like, you know, black violence and all that stuff that happened and all this. And that, you know, they had a lot of questions and you go back and forth with this thing that you're trying to say. But if you're authentic in your speech, there's no way you could say something. So, so if you say, you know, black people really like um, Black Panther. That's, that's probably not a good example. <laughs> I mean, but but there's no harm in that statement, you know, or, you know, black people used to be called Negroes. You know, yeah. there's no harm in that statement, because if you're authentic, if, if you mean it to hurt somebody, it is painful. But if you mean it because you either have a question or you're speaking about something generally, there's no harm in it. I think yeah. to me, one of the terms I struggle with is people of color. And I was just talking to someone about this, like whoever created that, it's like everything else we have. Somebody came up with this buzzword and it stuck. Right. Mm -hmm. So for majority what that means is every race except for white 
is in that people of color bucket. But then my question is, so what you said, so we call black Americans, do we call white people white, white Americans? Right. Do we associate white people from where they came from? So, you know, Caucasoid Americans, you know, (laughs) you've got all these different terms that you could use, but we don't because it's easier to marginalize people who we consider lesser, i.e. black people, brown people, Asian people, whatever it is, people we consider lesser. It's easier to put those terms on them versus ourselves. So rarely have you heard white Americans, unless you're reading a statistic or reading some kind of data. It's not a term that's used in general. So when you refer to, you know, black Americans have had the highest level of COVID Mm -hmm. argumentatively, but let's just say we say that, you know, we're not going to turn around and say, well, white Americans have had a lesser uh, amount of COVID. We don't use that when we speak about that. So it's one of those words, the reason why it's uncomfortable because someone has attached something to it that's artificial, right? So African-American, you know, I don't know exactly what that means because most Americans, most Af- most Black people in America, you know, we some most of us can trace our roots back to Africa. But remember how much is missing in the data, right? So the people who put those black people on the boat didn't write their name down, their origin down. They just put them in the boat because they were like cattle. You know, you don't name your cows or your pigs or your chickens, right? So they considered the people they were capturing as that. So how much data is lost? Mm-hmm. You can look at dark-skinned people and light-skinned people. What do you get from that? So if you take a place like, I don't know, like maybe Italy, like Italy has people that are darker than black people here, you know, which is really strange. And and early, you know, right after slavery ended, Indians were considered with, I mean, not Italians were considered with black people. You know, the Italian people were so dark that they considered them black. And eventually they lightened up. For majority of black people, the lighten up for us happened in slavery. And so once that gene became fixed in our body, we kept a lot of that color. And then as we go along, my son is very fair skinned. His father is a medium complexion person. So if you imagine he marries another person, fair skinned or not, you know, what color are their children going to be? So how much that your, your, your physical structures are come from that genealogy of your past to get to where we are now. Whereas, if I had to guess, and you can correct me about this, if you, when you look at your past, your history, your family history, how much do you look like your past? How much do you look like your great, 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 great grandfather or great, great grandmother on either side? You know, how much of you is that person? And so for us, one of the reasons why reparations has been such a difficult topic is because they don't believe they can authenticate where we came from and who we are, whether we're African American or not, which is absolutely absurd. But it's, it's neither here nor there, but the point is, is we use artificial things to make us uncomfortable or comfortable. I think that you should be comfortable calling people Black American, African American, Native American, Asian American, White Americans, whatever it is, if your intention in the conversation is authentic. If you're intending it to hurt somebody, you don't have to care about what you say. And that's not who Juice Thin it is. Juice <laughs> Thin cares about people. So you're not going to say anything to hurt anybody intensely. I just want you to feel comfortable using your language however you wish to use it, if it's for good. Yeah, yeah, and and thank you for that. That is that is reassuring. Like there's something, I don't know, I guess something like in the back of my mind is always nervous about saying the wrong thing, not knowing that it's uh, 
the wrong thing. Like even I recently heard a discussion about the term uh, Latin X, which like, honestly, I've never even really thought about what that word meant. I thought it meant uh, Latin like plus or Latin plus plus. And uh, the conversation was talking about how I guess a lot of Spanish words are gendered. So like there's Latino and Latina for men and women and then Latin X is supposed to be like, or I guess one of the meanings is, you know, neither man nor woman or both man and woman. And it's, it's that's one of those things where it's like, well, I've never used that term uh, because I don't really know what it means. <laughs> and just sort of, you know, hearing it and having it be talked about is, uh, is uh, I think, helpful at least. But but that's also a construct somebody's put out there, right? So mm -hmm. for the longest time, if you looked at how we responded to people of of, of uh, Spanish Orient, you know, so it was Hispanic, you know, so Hispanic was a word for the long longest time, and then we got to Latino and Latinos, Latina Latinos, and and it just became one of those things. It was easy to put an X on it and get rid of the O or the thing because you could then be inclusive of everybody, and that's what these words do. People of color is inclusive. Black Americans is inclusive. You know, Asian American is inclusive. And the problem with inclusivity is that there's no way to authenticate exclusivity. You know, I can, like, I, I think I told you this. I did my DNA a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. So I'm mainly Nigerian. But then you get down to the next, I'm German. I'm Irish. I'm uh, Scottish, uh, Swedish. Like, all these people's bloods run through my body. How did they get there? And what I really would like to ask, um, and so Jerome, I'm going to ask you, is uh -huh. you to do a DNA test and tell me, do you see any African in your blood? Do you see any history of African blood in your mm -hmm. DNA? Because it would be really interesting to know if the arguments are true, that we all came from a central thing and we evolved down to wherever we are now, i.e. how far we've come, does that origination still exist in us, right? Yeah. So just white people have, when they get to theirs, they say, oh, I'm mostly Italian or I'm mostly German, or, I'm mostly Irish. And then they get down to that lower part of it. And you see, oh, I'm 3% uh, African-American. I'm 3% I'm Congo. I'm 3% Nigerian or Ghana or something like that. Does it get into that place? And I've never been able to ask that to ever anybody. But if you believe that these labels mean something to us that keep us helpful, you can you can argue argumentatively as a as a society of, as a whole going back to 13 14th century we believed in categorizing and organizing things into boxes if you will so let's go in this box so if you're a data analyst that's a box versus a technician so what if you're a technician is that the overall box and then you specialize to a data analyst or a, a security specialist so when you categorize things like that it tends to limit them, right? So when you write your resume, I'm only a data analyst. Why are you only a data? Aren't you a technician? Don't you have broader experience? And I think that that's what those labels do. It narrows us and focus us to be less connected than we really are. Yeah, no, absolutely. The uh, So I've never done one of those DNA tests, but my dad did one, I guess it was a couple of years ago, and he shared the results. And it was, uh, I mean, it was sort of like... Uh, like how you were reporting, like we're sort of a big old mix of stuff, mostly, I think it was mostly European. Uh, the main thing that stood out to me was we all had, or my dad had a higher uh, percentage uh, Neanderthal ancestor, which 
uh, might explain my giant forehead at times, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it are beautiful too. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> but it is interesting, like hearing that because I don't know. I mean, growing up, like you know, both of my parents are white. I'm white, obviously. My brother is white. There's like lots of just like whiteness in our culture. Uh, but I don't, I mean, based on the DNA results, like that's not how things always were. And that's obviously like not how they should be <laughs> for everybody going forward either. Um, I mean, it's so weird. It, it almost makes me think like when we're talking about, uh, you know, our genes and passing on our genes to our kids, like the more that, uh, we interact with different races sort of again the more similar we become uh and i hate to say we're becoming more similar because we're already very similar it's just like the way that we look that are that's actually different and you know i i hate to say it, it's hard to say like looks don't matter but they don't really in the in the grand, in the scheme, grand of scheme of things. things yeah but you know what's really something the fastest growing population in america is mixed race yeah. fastest growing and not just black and white, but white and Asian, white and, and, and Spanish, you know, all of that is happening. And so how much of your, your children, so your prodigy, the children that you have, how much of you exists once you have that combination, right? So whatever, so I brought to the marriage, all of these things in my blood and my husband brought all of these things in, in his blood. And then we get down to our children, you know, and so we're both, my husband and I are both black, right? Mm -hmm. And so our child inherited a, a good chunk of us, the Nigerian piece, the Ghana piece, the Mali piece, a good part of that. But then when you get down to the bottom, so I am 11% German. He's 16% German. <laughs> so he got some of my German blood and some of my husband's German blood. But like, you know, not a significant amount, I would say, but 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 it's just really interesting to see that integration and what that might mean. And I know we're running out of time and we need to wrap up, but I will say that in the grand scheme of things, we have so much more in common. And, and you know, I just think that, you know, one of the things I want to just add this little technology piece, if you look at the inventions that Native Americans, Black Americans, Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans, and I don't want to leave any group out, but others who have created that made this country great. Just imagine what it would be if we joined together with our ideas and our thought process. And I know you are ter ter tired of me telling you my ideas. Oh, I want to try this, Drew. I want to try that. <laughs> but just imagine if we could combine our brains on something, what we would bring together. Because you bring this and I bring that. And together they come together to make something. And I think that technology and all these things would be so much better if it was a unified front as opposed to white men working on this and Indian men working on that and Asian people working on that. You know, I think if it was just really more combined, just think of how much further we could go. Yeah, I uh, 100% agree. And I think that's a good spot to end on. Uh, so we will thank all of our listeners for listening today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the conversation. Uh, if you have any ideas, comments, suggestions, please email us at imminentteachnology at gmail.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. And otherwise, we will talk to you all next week. Thank you. <laughs>